Um, today is the, the Sunday that starts the 40 days of Lent, uh, and today we read from Matthew chapter 6, um, and we all know that Matthew chapter 6, chapters 5, 6, and 7 are the Sermon on the Mount, um, and if the New Testament is the completion of the Old Testament, then, and the Gospels are the, the pinnacle of the New Testament, uh, then the Sermon on the Mount is the pinnacle of the, of the Gospels. It's sort of like our constitution. It's everything uh, a Christian is meant to be and to do, <clears throat> how to think, how to act. Um, and it offers dozens of examples of how we're supposed to interact with one another and how we interact with God and how we think about the Christian life. Uh, in fact, last week we read uh, the first uh, 18 verses of this same chapter, and then this week we just continued 19 through 33. And the gospel today ends with the very famous verse, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And so this ending is important because it gives us a focus. And it's almost as if the church wants to, as it starts the great Lent, focus us and, and give us that, 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 that vision of seek first the kingdom of God. Even in fact, today, uh, the psalm said, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. So what should we focus on? What does the church want us to focus on? And most people start Lent with a list of things they don't want to do anymore. You know, habits they want to break, sins they want to stop, behaviors they aren't very proud of. And so people start with this list of, here's the things I, I don't want to do. Um, and, and all the darkness I want to remove from my life. And of course, every fast in the church uh, is, is, is for a specific purpose. Um, and Lent, as you all know, is the purpose of Lent is repentance. And as you also know, I hope that the word repentance in Greek means, is what? Matanya, right? So the word matanya is a Greek word, which means repentance. And that word simply means changing direction. So it means I was, I was looking in one direction, and now I'm going to look in another direction. And so the season of Lent is a time when I go from looking in one direction, from the left to the right, and that's ultimately all repentance is. Stop looking at the left and start looking at the right. And there's two parts to this, left and right. And as we just discussed, many people focus on the left part. Many people say, I'm going to stop doing these left-hand things, which is fine, but there's a second part to repentance, which isn't just I got to stop doing these things, but I have to look to Christ. I have to look to God and that's what the church wants us to focus on, that second part. Um, in fact, you know, Christ has these subtle things that he said one time that the apostles couldn't expel demons, and he said, this kind can only come out by fasting and prayer. And so it's very important, right? There's these, these two pieces, fasting and prayer, and it's something we repeat uh, throughout all of Lent, as a matter of fact. During the fraction, today Abuna is going to say, fasting and prayer over and over again. Um, and our response to the gospel today is going to be our Father who art in heaven. And we say our Father who art in heaven a lot during Lent. Why is that? Well, it's this quintessential prayer. Right? And so the church wants us to get this focus down, fasting and prayer. Fasting is the ascetic part, the struggle part, the discipline part, the me part. Right? It's the part I'm going to do Right? And that's the stop looking left, if you will. But then there's a second part, and prayer. 
That's the part where the church wants us to focus. And now look right. Look towards something. Don't just try to remove darkness out of your life. It just doesn't work that way, right? Rather, try to open a window and let light in. And St. John Clemascus, he kind of sums up all of this perfectly in this nice quote. He says, to repent, repentance, is not to look downwards at my own shortcomings, but upwards at God's love. It is not to look backwards with self-reproach, but forward with trustfulness. It is not to see what I have failed to be, but what, might, but what by the grace of God I might yet become. Right? So you see that balance there. Don't just look at my own weaknesses and my own self-reproach and my own, but look forward, look, look with trust. In fact, today's Paul's, today Paul's epistle has this nice little bit to it where he says, the night is far spent away and the day is at hand. So St. Paul is trying to remind us, the night spent, it's far away, the day's at hand, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Right? Again, the movement from left to right. And St. Paul, uh, in his epistles, he says, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize. And in fact, we see this kind of thought played out a lot in St. Paul's epistles. He often talks about the spiritual life like a competitor, like an athlete, someone who's striving for a goal, someone who's trying to achieve something. And he gets a lot, really gets into athletics. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And in, Saint, in Acts, he says, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me. And then he says in Hebrews, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So this idea of a race is something he repeats a lot. This idea of a competitor, kind of keeping our eye on the prize. And he says, let us run the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of the faith. And so I want to read to you a quote from uh, a nice book called So Great a Salvation. It's by a bishop, Emba Epiphanius. Uh, if you don't know who that was, he was the head of St. Macarius Monastery. He was actually murdered a few years ago, um, and it turns out, after he was murdered, we discovered how amazing of a saint he was and a scholar and a spiritual writer. But he expands on this concept. He says, one should never turn around to look at other competitors to see their success or their failures. Nor should one look behind him to take stock of how far he has already gone. It is the same with one who is striving to completely forget his past and all its missteps and stumblings always keeping before his eye the goal and the end for which he is striving, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal. Right, so this kind of focus is so important as we start Lent. And Lent is basically this time, if we want to continue with the athletic analogy, right, and he talks a little bit about this as well. He says when an athlete is training for something, Right? Say you have an event in, in three months. A lot of athletes, they start to eat clean. They start to train. They start to focus on their diet, sleep, exercise. And it's not that, and they start to give up things. Maybe they, they'll give up alcohol or they'll give up eating you know, fast food. Why is that? It's not because those things are necessarily bad, but rather I'm going to get rid of those things so I can start to focus. Right? And that's what Lent is. It's not that any of these things that we give up are bad. 
It's that we need to focus. And so, why do we need to focus? Why is it important to keep our eye on a goal? Why is it important to have a goal? And I know that, you know, many of us, whenever we want to start exercising, it's very useful to have a goal, right? Because if you just say, you know, I want to start running, well, what's going to happen when you wake up that morning? Yeah, I think I'll run tomorrow. Tomorrow's a much better day to start running, right? And so we've all done this, right? You just keep pushing things off. Why? Because you haven't set a goal, right? Well, if you sign up for a half marathon or a marathon or something crazy, now you're like, oh my God, I got to run. I got this thing coming up in three months. I got to get in shape. There's something to aim for, right? And it makes all the difference in whether or not you start training. And so when we run with uncertainty, St. Epiphanius says, it would be to run without the goal clearly before one's eyes, without a definite goal in one's heart. And when the running is unclear and the reason for running is unclear, and the goal is unworthy of the hardship, the struggler will soon abandon his course. So why is it important to have a goal? Why does the church want us to focus? Because if you don't focus, you're not going to finish. You're just not going to finish because the goal is just not there. You get tired. You start looking around. You start getting bored. So I'll read you what St. Hilarion says. He talks about dogs hunting hares. You know what a hare is? Like a bunny. It's not a pleasant thought, but that's what happens. He says, consider the hunting dog which chases after the rabbit. Imagine one of these dogs sees a rabbit in the distance and immediately gives chase. So you can see the, you see the idea? Dog sees the rabbit, dog goes after the rabbit. Rabbit takes off. The other dogs that are with him see the dog taking off and take off after him, even though they have not seen the rabbit. So now all the other hunting dogs, they, they see the first dog take off. They take off because they know this guy's onto something. I'm going to assume it's a guy. They will continue running with him, but only for a time. When at length and effort, when at length the effort and struggle exhaust them, they give up the chase and turn back. And so the idea is the dogs that are chasing the first dog, after a while they get tired of running, right? Because they're just running and all they see is the, the butt of the dog in front of them, which just, just isn't very encouraging. However, the dog that saw the rabbit continues chasing it all by himself. He does not allow the effort or the struggle to hinder him from completing his long course. He risks his life as he goes on giving no rest. He does not allow the turning aside of the other dogs behind him to put him off. He doesn't care that the other dogs stopped running. He sees the rabbit. He goes on running until he has caught the rabbit he saw. He's careless about the stumbling blocks in his path, the thorns, the wounds, anything until he catches the cross and Christ crucified on it. And so the idea behind having focus is if you don't have focus, you just give up. And many of us know people who give up. Many of us have given up. After a while, you're just chasing other people. You're imitating others. You're doing what everyone else is doing. You're following the path.
Christ's words, right? The Pharisees were all about the outside. Make it look good on the outside. The rites, the rituals, the tithing, all of these things. But then Christ measured them and he said, in, in vain do they worship me. Wow. So here we have the Pharisees doing all of the things, the outside things, and then Christ says, in vain do they worship me. And St. Paul even goes further. but not doing. All right, so this is what happens when we fast without prayer, when we run in vain, and when we punch and just hit the air. Our fast, our efforts, they become cold and fruitless. And beating the air is when we chase after these ascetic works and do a bunch of things without really hitting the target. And so Father Thomas Hopko says, focus exclusively on God and light and never on darkness, temptation, and sin. Focus exclusively on God and light. So how do we do that? I think of a candle. St. Carillus of Alexandria says that when we mix with Christ and when we take the Eucharist, it's like you have two candles and you melt them into liquid. You pour them into the same mold and then you reform a new candle. And now that candle is mixed with Christ. And so I started thinking a little bit about this candle analogy. So you imagine if you light, you know, a... Um, a candle that's just, you know, uh, a regular wax candle, like something you'd find at church. It gives off light and heat just like any fire does. But when you, you light one of those lavender candles from, you know, Bath and Body Works, right, it not only gives off light and heat, but it gives off a scent, a fragrance. And so both candles look like they're just candles. They're both doing the same thing, but yet one gives off a fragrance, and so I go back to St. Cyril's example, right? When I mix with Christ, I may still do the same work, right? I'm still a candle. I'm still lit. But now when I give off light, it comes off with the fragrance of Christ. It looks and feels different. Because there's lots of people who just do works, who do things, but it doesn't have that, that scent, right? It doesn't have that feeling when you see the works and so this is ultimately where the church wants us to do is focus, is think about how it is we can run the race, we can box, we can be two women grinding wheat, we can be two candles, and yet one is running in vain and one isn't. So where does the vain vanity come from? From the lack of facing the right. All right, so I want to pick one practical thing from today's gospel to talk about how we can shift our gaze from the left to the right. Today, today in the gospel, Christ says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. 
I'll say it again, you cannot serve God and money. So let's just be real. We all live in Orange County. There's lots of money here. And there's a lot of focus on money. It consumes our thoughts, real estate, interest rates, stocks, whatever the case may be. And most of our efforts, frankly, most of our time is spent making money, thinking about the money, saving the money, planning how to use the money. And so the question is, why not serve money? Why is Christ so adamant and say, do not serve God and money? You cannot have two masters. Is God petty? Is he jealous? I mean, what's so wrong with money and the world? So I want to ask it another way. Is the love of money that Christ is talking about the cause or just a symptom? Is the love of money a problem? Is that the problem or is it a symptom of another problem in one's life? You see, when you're running the race with your eye on the prize, you don't look around at other people. You don't see how much money your neighbor has, nor do you care, because you're very focused on the kingdom. You're not focused on everyone else. And St. John Chrysostom says, wealth hurts you. It darkens your mind in the most intense degree. And it does so in two ways. First thing it does, the big one, is it takes your eyes off the prize because the focus isn't really God anymore. It's the money. But the second thing it does is it makes you captive to the money. It causes you to be a slave to the thing you ought to command. You become subject to the mammon. And then it becomes your God, God with a small g. And so now, when you're looking at the money, you have to be looking at the left. You can't look at the right. And so, let me end with this quote by Elder Proforius. I've, I've read this quote too many times. It's, it's one of my favorites. He calls it the better way. Some try to become holy by fighting against their passions and their sins. So that's not looking at the left. Whereas others, by loving Christ and his will, focusing on the right. The former, the left-looking, achieve only a few things because their effort is very cold and very hard. The latter, those who are looking to the right, achieve a lot more because by loving Christ, sinful passions lose their appeal and power before the joy and love of Christ that they feel. When dawn breaks and the light of the sun enters your room, all the darkness leaves immediately and unavoidably. So, just to summarize, on the outside, two women can be grinding identically and doing works. On the outside, two people can be fasting the Lent identically. On the outside, both people can be punching, but one is punching the air. On the outside, both candles are giving off light, but one has a fragrance. On the outside, both athletes are running the race, but one is running in vain, and yet the other has their eye on the prize. On the outside, both dogs are chasing, but only one sees the rabbit and is chasing the actual rabbit. And so this is the balance that the church calls us to during Lent. I'll end with this quote from St. Isaac the Syrian. I love this quote because it shows perspective and balance. He bounces back and forth between me and God, between my acts and his mercy, between fasting and prayer, between the left and the right. He says, My sins are many, my Lord, but your compassion is greater than my sins. My wicked deeds increase in number, 
but they are incomparable to your mercy. Your love is greater than my sins. I look, my Lord, at my sins, and I am speechless at how willful I have been. Observing your deeds toward me, wonder seizes me, how I have been rewarded by you in a way opposite to what I have merited. Glory be to God forever. Amen.